lobbying councillors writing to the committee. You're listening to the Planning, Environment and Property podcast, brought to you by the members of 39 Essex Chambers. I'm Richard Harwood. I'm a barrister, a QC at 39 Essex Chambers. This is the second of a short series looking at lobbying councillors in local authorities. My focus is on the consideration of planning applications by a council committee, because that's usually where issues of tactics and procedures become most acute. I was also a councillor in London Borough, and that feels a very long time ago. In my first podcast, Can You Lobby Councillors?, I looked at whether there was a right to contact councillors and discussed the decision of the High Court in Holborn Studios No. 2. There, Mr Justice Dove held that the public were entitled to lobby the councillors who would be making the decision. In this podcast, I'll talk about how developers and the public at large should do that in advance of a meeting. In this case, by writing to committee members. The best time to contact planning committee members is after the officer report has been published. Prior to that stage, efforts should be focused on influencing the report. Councillors have many responsibilities and planning committee members are unlikely to be interested in a planning application before they have received the report unless it is in their ward or it is a massive scheme. A letter written at an earlier stage might not be read is likely not to be fully understood without a detailed report and will probably be forgotten before the meeting takes place. Once the committee report is out, the opportunity arises to seek to support the officer recommendation or dissuade councillors from following it. Members will be able to consider those representations alongside the report. For written and oral representations, the same basic principles apply. Focus on the key points which are capable of turning councillors' minds. Bringing up a mass of technical points is likely to mean that councillors miss the critical issue. Points of detail on the report, particularly corrections, should be raised separately with officers. The points raised should be relevant planning points which are attractive to politicians. The question is what would councillors find decisive, particularly to go against an officer recommendation? They need to be proper planning issues, which may include economic benefits. Members may detect that a plea is based on genuine but irrelevant points, and officers are likely to point this out. A decision swung by an immaterial or erroneous argument might be overturned on appeal or in judicial review. The points need to be made clearly, such that they can be followed by someone who has read the committee report. Now, there are a few matters to avoid, and I say this from the perspective of having been on the receiving end of all of these whilst a member of a planning committee. Firstly, do not assume that the members will simply follow the officer recommendation. Councillors consider, quite rightly, that they are elected to make decisions, not to rubber stamp the views of officers. Even worse than making that assumption yourself is to address the councillors as if they will do just what they are advised. Secondly, do not attack the competence, honesty or integrity of the officers. Some councillors will adore their officers and consider that they are beyond personal reproach. There are councillors who will bake cakes for their officers. I know this is a secondary beneficiary of such largesse. Other councillors may consider that officers have been incompetent on a particular occasion, 
but don't like someone outside the council alleging this, particularly if they do it in strong terms. There may be some councillors who genuinely and uh, genuinely think little of their officers' advice and often disparage those. But those councillors are not going to influence the rest of the committee. What matters is whether the officer advice is wrong or why it ought not to be followed, rather than any motivation or ability which caused it to be wrong. And thirdly, threatening the council with an appeal, costs award, judicial review, or reporting it to the local government ombudsman should be done sparingly and with great care. It can very easily look like an attempt to bully the committee and would tend to encourage resistance from councillors rather than engender sympathy. The most extreme example I've seen recently was a solicitor's letter in advance of a meeting saying that councillors were not competent to disagree with their officers and threatening them with a civil damages claim for misfeasance in public office. Now, more sensibly, the prospect of a challenge can be implicit in what you say, although there may be circumstances where it is effective to make it explicitly. Emails or letters should be fairly short, with two or three pages being a reasonable length. Committee members will usually deal with a number of applications, often more than ten, and the task of carefully reading the committee report will take time. That preparation has to be fitted around the members' other political and personal commitments, including work. Unless they are especially interested in the application, they will not appreciate a lengthy submission, particularly if it's accompanied by appendices. Now, there's no practical difficulty in writing to councillors directly. They will all have council email addresses. Their email and physical addresses should be available for inspection, with the email addresses at least on the council website. Councils will also have arrangements for distributing posts to members, and these should be checked if hard copy letters are to be sent via the council officers. Authorities' planning committee procedures may provide for correspondence to be circulated if it is received by a certain point before the meeting. In the absence of such a procedure, do not assume that if you ask the planning department to circulate a letter to the committee that this will be done, or that it will be done uh, in good time before the meeting. As I said, councillors' email addresses are invariably on the council website, and letters are often best sent that way. If a letter is being sent to the committee, it is prudent to copy it to the planning department. It's essential that applicants ensure that officers receive copies. Providing officers with copies allows them to comment on the letter. It also enables other persons to be aware of the correspondence, addressing any concern which there may be about secret communications. Similarly, a council practice that committee members who receive representations should ensure that they are copied to officers for the file is sensible and was encouraged in the Holborn Studio's judgment. Other dealings with committee members in advance of a meeting should be handled with more care. Councillors should be, and generally are, concerned to avoid giving an impression that they are committed to one side before determining an application. The authority will usually have a planning code of conduct which guides such dealings. Committee members are unlikely to have meetings with parties without officers being present, and may be reluctant to do so at all. 
Site visits for committee members should be organised with council officers, although there's no reason why members cannot view the site unaccompanied from the highway or public places. So, an essential part of the democratic process is to be able to contact councillors about decisions which they are going to be taking. Writing to planning committee members just before the meeting can be very effective. Correspondence should be open, it should be copied to officers, but it enables the key points to be got over, unfiltered by the officer's report. Most decisions turn on a small number of points, often just one. So representations have to drive home the vital issues, particularly where you are seeking to persuade the committee to reject their officer's advice. You want to give the councillors a sound basis on which they can do so. These are some thoughts on writing to councillors. In the next episode, I will be looking at public speaking at committee meetings. Thanks for listening. At 39 Essex Chambers, we cover a vast array of practice areas and sectors. You can find out more about our expertise and our barristers at 39essex.com, where you can also see our extensive catalogue of articles, podcasts and webinars.